You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Wake up and get ready. That from the World Health Organization today, as the number of people contracting coronavirus is rising globally by the hour. There are now more than 84,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 worldwide as the WHO raises its risk assessment to the highest level today. More cases are being reported outside of China than inside, with Italy and Iran becoming major centers of infection. Our Jordan Armstrong has the latest around the world and here at home. Global markets in a tailspin. The TSX closed down 454 points. On Wall Street, the Dow lost a staggering 3,500 points in just five days, its worst week since the financial crisis of 2008. The world reacting and worrying about the spread of COVID-19. This is a reality check for every government on the planet. Wake up, get ready. In Iran, there are reports from hospitals of a huge spike in deaths, more than 200. That's six times higher than the official death toll from the Iranian health ministry. Mass disinfection is underway at mosques and on public transit. Schools are closed for three days. It's very unpredictable. But many people, including this BC man who was born in Iran, suspect the regime is downplaying the extent of the outbreak. Because there was election, parliamentary election, and they didn't want to discourage people going to, to vote. Globally, there are now more than 84,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. South Korea's daily increase has now surpassed mainland China, and Italian cases appear to be linked to new ones in Nigeria, Mexico, Spain, and Brazil, among others. The important thing is to keep living your life. In California, thousands of people are being monitored for symptoms after at least two people tested positive, despite having no obvious connection to the virus. Those countries who've taken control, who've taken responsibility, have clearly shown that a lot can be done to stop this virus. Canada is moving towards disease surveillance mode, not just passively waiting for people to show up at the hospital feeling ill, but actively looking for cases. A sign of the times, this Victoria Bank closed on Tuesday after staff learned someone in the area was in isolation and being monitored for symptoms. That person has since tested negative, and the bank will reopen Saturday. In Burnaby, the city of Lougheed construction site remains quiet after the developer says a worker came down with a fever. They stress the shutdown is precautionary, and there's no confirmation of COVID-19. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Well, the outbreak has many people wondering what BC is doing to prepare. With more on that, we are joined by Keith Baldry in Victoria. Keith, what's the province's plan going forward? Well, the good news is it does have a plan. It involves the P word. That stands for pandemic. So if there's a pandemic of influenza, and that occurs when a new flu virus emerges that we've never seen before, and so everyone's immune system is not strong enough to ward it off. So you see a lot of people infect. I'm talking uh, potentially hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, this is the plan from the B.C. government. It's been around since about 2014. It's a pandemic influenza coordination plan for the government. It involves a coordination of a lot of government ministries, a lot of moving parts here. But here are some of the 
the details uh, I gleaned from it. First of all, uh, one of the key priorities is to make sure pu public uh, health care facilities are safe because they don't want health workers getting sick. They're going to be the ones treating a lot of people. Public messaging and education is considered vitally important. Literally, you're going to be hearing, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, it also envisions, if, if things really get out of hand, potential major impacts on the economy, our education system, and transportation networks. And Jordan touched on this. BC also, like the rest of Canada, aggressive containment is the, of the virus is the top priority. Try to find it and contain it, stop it from spreading. An emergency response health team has already been assembled involving officials from all the health authorities. Right now, more than 1,000 people have been tested for the virus. To put that in perspective, that's more than the, uh, the entire testing that's gone on in the United States. That's how far behind they are. And also seven cases, four of them now in the recovery mode. We caught up with Adrian Dix, the health minister. He warns we are now at a critical uh, point in the next few weeks and months. The next few weeks and uh, even even months are obviously critical. Uh, the, the virus has expanded throughout the world and we have to, we've got to do our work. You know, that means taking it seriously and staying calm. And, uh, and that's what we intend to do. But the next few weeks are, are very important. I think uh, clearly this is expanding around the world. All right, Keith, what about a vaccine? How much longer until we might actually have one? Yeah, not good news on this front, uh, Sophie. The World Health Organization says about 20 different vaccines are being worked on. Uh, the downside, though, it's going to take a year to 18 months before those vaccines come on uh, to be available. So as this plan makes clear, uh, basically, if, you st if you're sick, stay at home. Don't go to work and affect other people. And this may sound simple, but wash your hands continuously and often. It sounds simple, but mm -hmm. it uh, definitely is effective. It sure is. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria. Now to Smithers and another day of talks between Northern BC hereditary chiefs and government ministers aimed at ending the nationwide protests and blockades over the coastal gas link pipeline. That's where we find our Sarah McDonald tonight. It's been a day of cautious optimism, Sarah, but realistic expectations. Sophie, that's right. And we are told that some progress is being made, albeit slowly. A select group of Indigenous leaders, lawyers and government officials now in talks behind closed doors for close to 10 hours. A second day of high stakes talks between government officials and Indigenous leaders taking place at a more secure location Friday as all sides return to the table on the heels of an emotional and momentous meeting on Thursday. The entire nation needs to be um, represented, not just a small fraction. I wanted to find out what's going on because... A lot of stuff's been happening with the protests and we're not involved. Involving matriarchs and chiefs, both for and against a contentious natural gas pipeline project. I just think people are aware climate change is happening and that's what I think it's all about. Driving a wedge, not only through Wet'suwet'en Nation. I'll stand where I want. I'm in Oklahoma territory. <laughs> but all of Canada too. I think we're not starting from scratch and I think that the, the that there's a lot of work that's been done. We're willing to roll up our sleeves and get to the complex and difficult issues. The meetings are said to be productive, but not easy. The parties are very much engaged, as are their teams. The, the, the amount of work uh, being done right now is substantial, substantive uh, and important. Oh. And especially so for the Wet'suwet'en people, feeling the impact of an internal complex dispute dividing this powerful nation. Where they're putting a pipeline is, um, that's where our fish spawn. And I don't know how our community is going to take it when there's no more fish. Families and friendships fractured with livelihoods on the line. I understand about 
wanting to save the environment, but also understand that people need to feed their families. As a hiatus on work and police patrols on indigenous land stretches into a second day, along with difficult dialogue in an ongoing and arduous process. All right, Sarah, it could be a long night tonight. It certainly seems like it could be, Sophie, at this point, with government officials telling us they are committed to staying here as long as it takes to reaching a resolution, whatever that may look like. Now, the last flight out of Smithers leaves in under an hour at this point, with those ministers still in the thick of things with those talks. So, Sophie, safe to say all sides will be here into the weekend at this point. And we'll be watching. All right, thanks for that, Sarah McDonald. A new Westminster family is asking the public tonight to focus on finding their missing mother and not on their father's legal problems. The search for Nurla Sharma has been complicated by the news her husband is facing criminal charges. Jill Bennett reports. There's more than 7,000 posters um, of her out there. But even with this image plastered around New Westminster and the surrounding area, there is still no sign of 44-year-old Nirla Sharma, who hasn't been seen since Sunday. Even people that we don't even know have been reaching out, saying that we're in their prayers and they're trying to help out as much as possible. Sharma says while the family still has no idea why her mom left wearing pajamas with no money and no phone, the police have confirmed she is the person caught on a surveillance camera nearby just after 4 a.m. Monday morning. While they aren't saying exactly where she was, Sharma says it's something. It makes me feel more hopeful. I mean, I was already hopeful to begin with, but it's just a little bit more of a boost. It's been stressful. So at least um, it's starting to close and hopefully we just we just find her soon. But Sharma is also concerned the search could be overshadowed by the fact her father is facing criminal charges, one for allegedly threatening his wife on January 25th. Sharma says those charges and her mother's disappearance are not connected. It's public records. We can't do anything about it, but um, we were prepared for it. I just didn't think it would happen so soon. So the spotlight is still on my mom because she's the one who's missing. My dad isn't, and it, nothing, it has nothing to do with him. Police are still looking for dash cam video from the area as the investigation remains extremely active. We're looking at history, we're looking at uh, what relationships were like, and so we're trying to rule out or, uh, or confirm if there is foul play involved. A search of the area was conducted on Thursday. It didn't lead to any signs of the missing woman. Jill Bennett, Global News. And RCMP have released a new photo of a Maple Ridge woman who's been missing for more than a week. Atefa Jadidian was last seen leaving work at around 4 o'clock in the afternoon on February 19th near 228th Street and Lougheed Highway. Police found her vehicle, but Jadidian is still missing. A new photo from a security camera shows the 40-year-old woman walking along the 24800 block of Dudney Trunk Road at about 5.30 that evening. Police have renewed their appeal for dash cam footage from the area. Vancouver police are alerting the public about a disturbing new type of telephone scam. They've had six reports over the past week of people answering calls apparently coming from Africa and hearing what sounds like a woman in distress. What is that African area code? But that's not to rule out anywhere else in the world that this could be happening. Um, we are asking the public just to be vigilant. Um, if you see a phone number pop up on your phone and you don't know that number, don't answer it. Uh, if you truly believe somebody is in distress on the other line, please call police and we'll do our best to investigate. 
Right now, though, it wasn't so long ago that it was the hottest real estate sector in all of Canada. Now, the number of condo pre-sales across Metro Vancouver has plummeted, so much so that developers are pulling out of major projects. Making matters worse, the growing crisis over skyrocketing strata insurance rates. Aaron MacArthur reports. It seems like there is no end to the building in Vancouver. Everywhere you look, there's a new tower inching its way skyward. But there are some red flags for condo construction in the region. The number of new builds has slowed down significantly. A lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of risk when you're, when you're going into um, develop a, a large, uh, comprehensive project, a 50-story tower with 500 units in it. According to Urban Analytics, new pre-sale condos have dropped from 19,000 in 2018 to just 7,600 last year, a decline of 60%. In concrete construction, the decline is much bigger. 12,600 units up for sale in 2018 and under 3,000 last year. That 76% decline won't be felt immediately, but three years from now. If we see a lack of, of new supply, completed supply coming onto the market, and there's any increased demand between now and then, we could see another spike in prices like we saw a couple of years ago. The Liberals putting the blame for this future problem at the feet of the current government, which has purposefully let the air out of an overinflated housing market. What I'm hearing is a lot of developers aren't sure because of the taxes uh, that we've implemented, the school tax, the speculation tax. Many of them are sitting it out or going to other markets like Calgary, Edmonton, and we just can't afford that here. Not only is there uncertainty in the development community, there's a great deal of consumer uncertainty as well. Everything from strata insurance to the possibility of an economic slowdown could affect supply. And that will have a direct impact on affordability. Affordability is a key for us and, and it's going to be a challenge for those individual buildings. So we're looking at what options might be available. Certain segments of the condo market are hot right now. Multiple bids and prices over asking. But pre-sales continue to be flat. And given the region's growth forecast, it's a potential huge hole in the supply of much-needed housing. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. If you build it, they will come. That's one of the findings of a new report into the state of cycling on the Lower Mainland. The advocacy group Hub Cycling, along with TransLink, looked at the bike network throughout Metro Vancouver, as well as the rates of cycling. They found that the length of bikeways in the region has nearly tripled to 4,600 kilometers last year, from 1,700 kilometers in 2009. The city of Vancouver was seen to have the most robust network. In the areas where the network has grown or improved, the rate of cycling collisions has dropped and the number of cycling trips has increased dramatically. About 46% of the routes in this region are comfortable for most and 65% of residents live within 400 meters of a route comfortable for most. We've seen a 64% increase in the rates of cycling between 2006 and 2016. This is the, cycling is the fastest growing mode of transport in the region. Some major changes are coming to the way Kelowna RCMP handles sexual assaults. That's after a national RCMP report revealed not all of the cases in recent years were adequately investigated. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich reports. I mean, he's taking your clothes off. How much of a fight did you put up? It was an RCMP interrogation that made national news headlines when a West Kelowna RCMP officer inappropriately questioned Aidan Withers, a then teenager reporting a sexual assault. But now the Kelowna RCMP detachment is making changes to the way it handles sexual assault reports. 
I know that it will lead to better experiences than the one that I've personally had. This after a national RCMP review was conducted into its unusually high rate of cases that were dismissed. I hope it will make things better for the ones who want to come forward. Stats Canada data showed that about 40% of sexual assault cases in Kelowna were deemed unfounded in 2018, compared to the provincial average of 15%. The review into that troubling finding has now resulted in 12 cases being reopened. Another 29 were re-examined, and while they were deemed founded, they will not be reinvestigated. It's clear by the report that there's work to be done to be better and uh, steps are being taken to make sure that these investigations are, um, are done to a, a, a higher level. While Kelowna RCMP have not responded to our request for an interview, in a news release, a spokesperson says that the review has prompted an action plan that involves more training for officers on sexual consent law, trauma-informed practices, and bias awareness. In addition to that, the local detachment will now have a dedicated sexual assault unit. The unit will provide support to frontline officers to ensure all sexual assault investigations are consistent, complete, and accurately documented. RCMP say Kelowna is now in line with the provincial average, a statistics that many say... It's still too high, definitely. Claudia Vanemmer, Global News, Kelowna. Well, the only candidate now running to lead B.C.'s Green Party says British Columbians should work less or at least consider the idea. As part of her economic plan, Cowichan Valley MLA Sonia Furstenau is proposing consultations with businesses and labour organizations to shorten the work week for full-time workers. Furstenau says it's an attempt to improve work-life balance and it's an idea that's now being explored in other jurisdictions. The best thing we can do in BC is get in front of that transformation by investing in exactly the kind of economy we want to have in the future. And that economy really is an innovative, uh, education-based economy where the health and well-being of people is at the centre of it. The B.C. Greens won three seats in the 2017 election and currently hold the balance of power, along with their former leader, the now-independent Andrew Weaver. A UBC grad student has made a string of out-of-this-world discoveries. Physics and astronomy PhD candidate Michelle Kunamoto has discovered 17 exoplanets orbiting distant stars. One of those planets is about one and a half times the size of Earth and located in the so-called Goldilocks zone around its star. That could make it able to support life. That planet is about 1,000 light years away. These are thousands of light years away. We're not getting there anytime soon. This has really important implications for the search for life in the universe and also helps us understand uh, the potential for exoplanet habitability. So uh, being able to find these kinds of planets is kind of the first step in a very long investigation path to discover uh, whether life exists outside of the solar system. Kunamoto discovered the planets while digging through nine years of data from the Kepler Space Telescope mission. It's Vancouver International Wine Festival week and meteorologist Christy Gordon really got the uh, short straw today. <laughs> How did you get this assignment? She's down at the Vancouver Convention Center West pouring That's over right. this year's event. Christy. Aha, yes. I haven't dived in yet, Sophie, but I will. Uh, in not too long. Uh, we are at the 42nd annual Vancouver International Wine Festival. Long time ago it started with just one winery, Mo Robert Mondavi, and now 162 wineries. And tonight is one of the 
our biggest events. I want to introduce you to Harry Hertzsheg. He's the exec director. Tell us a little bit about tonight's big event. What are the themes? Well, first of all, the theme is what's in your glass, and it's wine. And this is one wine of over 700 wines that we're featuring in tonight's tasting room. And our feature country is France. We love French wines. And we're also putting a spotlight on rosé. And that's what we have here. We have a beautiful rosé. And we have to clink glasses, don't we? We do, we do. I'm having a hard time with my mic at the same time. You're doing wonderfully well. And this is not just any rosé. This is a rosé from a region called Tavelle. And what the French do so well, they don't really care what grape it is. They care of where wine comes from. And we have six, we have 42 French wineries and 16 countries in all. And it's a great way to explore the world of wine. Oh, well, I can't wait. Let's have a quick taste. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, Sophie, you would not like this at all. Not at all. <laughs> Thank you so much, Harry. I want to let people know that you can still get tickets at the door to these grand tastings both tonight and again tomorrow. So check out the website to find out the times. Thank you so much, Harry. Join us at the Wine Festival. Police in Paris are blaming demonstrators for a fire near a busy train station. People protesting the appearance of a Congolese singer tried to prevent firefighters from getting through after setting scooters and cars on fire. The demonstrators accused the singer of being too close to the controversial Congolese government. No word on injuries, but at least 30 people were arrested. Police in Markham, Ontario are investigating a suspicious fire that destroyed a million-dollar private jet. The Dassault Falcon 50 was pretty much gutted by the time firefighters arrived. It quickly became clear the fire was deliberate. An empty gas container was found sitting beside the torched plane. Thankfully, no one was injured, but at this point, investigators have no idea who set the fire or why. In one of his last royal engagements, Prince Harry is using his voice to give back to wounded veterans. He's back in London where a pitch-perfect collaboration is taking place. His Royal Highness Prince Harry and rock and roll royalty John Bon Jovi walking across the iconic Abbey Road today, made famous by the Beatles. The prince arriving with a police escort. That's now the focus after Canada announced it will not pay for Harry and Meghan's multi-million dollar protection. Bon Jovi telling me Prince Harry still has his sense of humour, despite the pressures of leaving royal life. Artist formerly known as Prince, that's how I <laughs> Inside Abbey Road, recording a new song called Unbroken, with a choir of wounded veterans, launching Harry's Invictus Games for injured servicemen and women. Pretend you're singing in your bed. Okay. Yeah, it's easy. The Sussex Royal account teasing Harry might add his vocals. One, two, three. Did Harry sing? You'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> Abbey Road has seen it all from rock and roll to now royals. But it's Prince Harry himself who's set to make history. Prince Harry's seen carrying his own bags this week, taking the train. Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex, is expected to return to the UK with Harry next month for one last official event with the family. Keir Simmons, NBC News, London. Returning now to our top story, the global effort to try to contain the outbreak of the novel coronavirus. A UBC infectious disease expert is among the scientists coordinating at the World Health Organization to combat the spread of COVID-19. As Linda Ellsworth reports, one of the biggest challenges is overcoming just how little we actually know about the disease. 
Behind the World Health Organization's efforts to contain the virus that causes COVID-19 are doctors like Srinivas Murthy. He's just returned home to Vancouver from Geneva, where the quest for answers is ongoing. So how this disease spreads or what um, happens when you get the disease or what treatments to give when someone gets this disease. It seems for every revelation there are questions. Like why is it that the number of new cases are on the decline in China? Whether that was the natural epidemic curve and the people who were going to get infected have gotten infected. Or have quarantine measures delayed that curve, which means continued spread over the next few months. Other questions, what is the virus's incubation period? In other words, how long from exposure to symptoms? We need to know exactly how many days to keep people isolated if that remains our primary public health approach to keeping this virus in check. And so quarantines remain at a cautious 14 days. As for who gets sick and how severely, we know children do not get significant disease. So whether that means they are significant transmitters of the virus or whether that means they are not, we're still learning. There's no vaccine for COVID-19, and yet getting a flu shot can help, but not how you might think. By protecting yourself against influenza, you're not going to have symptoms that mimic those of coronavirus and then necessitate testing and have all those problems and fill up the hospitals. The World Health Organization's efforts to find answers and help contain the spread, especially in nations without the infrastructure to cope, is costly. But in spite of the seriousness of the situation, funds are lacking. There was $675 million pledged by the global governments to say that they would support the WHO um, to defeat this. And I think only about $1 million has been pledged thus far. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. An unusual sight in upstate New York where Mother Nature has turned homes into works of art near Lake Erie. Low temperatures combined with high winds and waves from the lake have coated a number of houses and trees in ice, leaving them looking like sculptures. With more cold temperatures in the forecast, these homes probably won't be thawing out anytime soon. Emergency crews hose down a runway at the San Jose airport as a small plane prepares for an emergency landing. The spectacular belly glide right after Christie's forecast. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon is down at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Glass in hand, uh, ready to enjoy the evening. But first, the forecast, Christy. <laughs> That's exactly right. So in not too long, Sophie, this whole room will be filled with hundreds of people. You can see the Eiffel Tower here behind me. Uh, the theme tonight is wines from France as well as rosé. But yes, first the forecast. We always have to talk about that. There is a snowfall warning for areas in through Prince George, east of there up to the southern parts of BC Peace River, 10 centimeters of snow overnight for you. Now we are expecting the rain that we're seeing across the south coast to ease off overnight. So a really nice Saturday in store for most areas, although the flurries will continue in the morning morning for the areas inland like the Caribou and the Central Interior region. Uh, as for your Sunday, it's also looking pretty nice. We've got a perfect weekend in store for us actually across southern BC. North Coast will see some rain later in the day, but otherwise you can expect a few flurries changing to showers across the south. Light amounts, not too much. The heaviest amount is up through the Caribou and Central Interior. For our region, just a chance of showers in the morning, but otherwise a mix of sun and cloud before the rain returns on Monday. And I'll leave you with this photo, this is a great shot from uh, his 
William was one of the um, dancers in the um, opening ceremonies at the Olympics. So that was him 10 years ago, and that's him uh, just this year. Uh, Sophie, I wanted to quickly mention one thing about the wine festival here. There's actually a liquor store, so anyone who takes part in this big event can purchase any of the wines that they see here at the liquor store. Uh, and these are wines that you can't get at your usual liquor store. So wines from all over the world, which is really nice. And they will actually... Um, uh, transfer those to a liquor store near you so you don't have to take this big because I know that you would probably buy a ton. You don't have to take these big boxes home with you. They'll take those to a liquor store for you wow. near your home. You can pick them up later. What a fantastic so thing. Handy. That is so I handy. I know, so handy. I'm so glad we sent mm. you down there to do the investigative um, reporting, digging into that <laughs> <know>. for us. <laughs> Me too. Thanks, Christy. Have fun tonight. A rough landing for a small plane in San Jose, California. Emergency crews scrambled to treat the runway for a plane carrying four people that was coming in with no landing gear. After burning fuel for nearly an hour, the plane sat down on the runway and slid to a stop. The two pilots and two passengers walked away from the plane unhurt. The landing shut down the airport for a time. No word on what caused the landing gear to stick. Well, I'm glad they're okay, but he completely missed the foam. <laughs> they had, they spent all that time laying whatever that How do is. I know if are you supposed to land in the foam or is well, it I supposed think if, to like Well, if you land in the foam it's I think it's supposed to suppress a fire or a potential okay. fire or I don't know. But anyways, he missed it completely. But everybody's okay. So that's the good news. They didn't seem at all concerned. Just, well, once you get down and you're okay. You help me with the bags. Yeah, and, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I just Where's out. the taxi stand? Where do we get the Uber? Um <laughs> What do you What's that? Ten years ago today. It is ten years ago today. You ready? I'm ready for this. Okay. You White know the Whitecaps, speaking of ten years, mm -hmm. this will be the tenth season for the really? Whitecaps in MLS. I know. It seems it like it was just, like I, nothing feels like it. It feels like that yesterday for everything. That means we're ten years older. But Sorry. we don't look ten years older. No. At least we don't think so. Anyway, it is the tenth regular season tomorrow at BC Place Stadium, opening game against Sporting Kansas City. The Whitecaps have made numerous changes on and off the field the past few months. They're also changing the way they start games at home. Instead of the players finding their way to the stadium on their own, they're all going to stay at a downtown hotel. Then they're going to get into a big bus and take the bus to the front of BC Place Stadium. And they'll get off the bus and they'll get off so the fans can get close to them as well. We're all happy that it's it's more of a team camaraderie kind of thing. You know, we're we're all going to be together for the whole day, and we're coming into the stadium together, which I think is important. You know, guys aren't coming in on their own times, and I think that's kind of the um, mentality and team spirit that we wanted to build from the beginning of the season. Yeah, I hope that we can we can deliver a performance that shows we're together. You know, that we all want the same uh, the same goals. We're all willing to fight for each other. Uh, to fight for the city, for the club, um, for this crest. So, yeah, we want to go out there, put on a good performance, um, really work, work our socks off, and uh, hopefully get the three points. As long as the bus doesn't break down, everything will be fine. It was 10 years ago today that Sidney Crosby and Team Canada beat the Americans 3-2 in overtime to win the gold medal. That, of course, was the last event of the 2010 Olympic Games. Happened on a Sunday afternoon. It was an event that sent people into the streets, not just here, but really everywhere in Canada. And for current Canuck players, they were among the celebrants as well. Well, I should say the Canadian ones were at least.
I was playing Major Midget for the Greater Vancouver Canadians. Uh, I think we were up in the Kootenays actually. Um, we played our two games there and then we had a bus ride home. The gold medal game was on, so we stopped at a local fire hall. They invited our team in. Family was had a big, kind of like a buffet thing going on, and we were watching the game. And when I was with my family. That was just uh, you know, a time where I'll, I'll never forget uh, that moment. Those three were part of the roughly 16.7 million Canadians watching on TV, almost 50% of the population. It's the most watched show and obviously the most watched hockey game in our country's history. And the stars of the show will never forget it either. And that game was, was you know, the, most, the most fun, intense game that I've ever played. Well, I mean, I think the fact that I was here in Vancouver and in Canada, uh, just the atmosphere, the energy, the excitement, uh, the pressure. The pressure was definitely applied when Zach Parise tied the game in the final minute, sending it to overtime. Did you guys think you had it? I mean, we thought we did. I mean, I thought, um, looking back, I thought we played a, a good third period and felt like we took over a little bit, took over the game. We had so much experience, so many guys that, uh, um, you know, understand and understood what it would take to, to get the job done. It took seven minutes and 40 seconds of overtime before Sidney Crosby's golden goal. Uh, the whole overtime I was pacing uh, in, my, in my living room and when Sid scored that one, I... Um, almost hit the rafters. It was uh, you know, something I won't forget. Every time you play against Sydney, all I think about is him scoring that goal in Vancouver, and it's uh, pretty cool. But if you were an American kid whose dad was working in Canada, you didn't think it was so cool. Yeah, I was in Toronto at uh, Topco, it's a rink there, and um, yeah, we were watching as a team, and uh, Canada scored in overtime, and I acted like I wasn't watching. I went over to the other rink and just started acting like I was watching shinny hockey, but I was pretty upset. You know, it's one of those things you're grateful for. I was uh, with a great team and, and uh, in the right situation, and, um, you know, it, it goes by fast. It's crazy. It's been 10 years already, but, uh, you know, grateful to have been with that group and, and those guys and, um, you know, something that I'll cherish. As will an entire country. Like it was yesterday. Oh, there's Zach Parisi right there. The guy who tied the game late and so eloquently spoke to us. And there he is scoring. Minnesota's getting back in the playoff race. Uh, that made it 4 nothing. Minnesota, 5 nothing final. It's going bad for Tortorella because all his best guys are hurt. All right, second round Honda Classic, Palm Beach Garden, Florida. Brendan Steele, par 3, 15th. This looks like an ace. You need horseshoes to get an ace, but sometimes a horseshoe can keep you from an ace. No. Nice birdie, though. Charles Schwartzel, par 460, 227 yards away as you take one more look at the unfortunate horseshoe. This one for Eagle. Two great shots, but this one went in. Straight in. Roger Sloan of Merritt missed the cut at plus eight. There you go. All right. 
Here's your snow report for this evening. New snow across South Coast Mountains. Whistler Blackcomb picked up four centimeters. Grouse three, Cypress three, and Sasquatch five. Manning Park two, Revelstoke a nice nine. Fernie and Kicking Horse not a lot, but they will get some in the next 24 hours. Big White, Silver Star, Sun Peaks, and Apex not a lot of fresh snow, but this weekend should be mild and sunny. A beautiful weekend for skiing. Mount Washington one, White Water and Red Mountain nothing new, but they'll get some in the next 24 hours. Powder King is the winner today at 14. Coming up on ET Canada, new power couples, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland and Prince Harry and John Bon Jovi. Plus the Whitney Houston hologram tour. Are you going? We have the reviews. That's coming up at seven right after the news hour. Back to you, Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Morgan. Okay. Okay. So um, Snoop Dogg loves to do commercials, doesn't he? He loves being in them. He loves people. Well, he gets paid. Uh, here's one with Snoop Dogg for Dunkin' Donuts and another with just a bunch of squirrels whose names we don't know. We brought in the biggest Beyond Meat fan we know as our newest employee to help introduce our new Beyond Sausage Sandwich. Uh, you want that plant-based great taste? Thank you. You have a beautiful day, you hear me? Top of the morning. Are you stupid? Fresh out the oven. Mm. One for you, one for you. Employee of the month is at it again, y'all. Introducing the great tasting plant-based Beyond Sausage Sandwich. Available nationwide only at Jiff peanut butter. It's that jiffing good. You dress up like a squirrel for it. It's a bit creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Showed up at your house asking for peanut butter. You might be a bit freaked out. Okay. So this is an old favorite of mine. It's from Geico, and it shows you a different way to win the Battle of the Bulge. You know, weight loss programs can be expensive, so to save some money, I just got the popular girls from the local middle school to follow me around. Ew. Seriously? So gross. Ew. Seriously? That is so gross. Ew. Seriously? Dude, that is so totally gross. Sign up. There's an easier way to save. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, you, I knew those girls. Do you, <laughs> do you say, let's show me, show me a gif or show me a gif? I say gif gif. Just so I've got all bases covered. Oh, that's wrong. I'm Why? Sorry. Well, it's, it's, I, I'm, at least come on. I'm Take right. Take a side. Take at, a side. <laughs> Jif okay, so the people at Jif again, Jif, they have taken a side, and they've got uh, mm. they've got an academe to help them. Hello, I'm Jerry Judman, professor of linguistics. As a renowned expert on the letter G, I felt it my duty to weigh in on the proper pronunciation of a word that has generated much debate. GIF. Yes, G's. G's can be very confusing. G's have been confusing humanity from the Garden of Eden all the way to the Battle of Gettysburg. And they have perplexed historical features. For example, Galileo and Ulysses S. Durant. 
Which brings me back to my original point. The digital image format and its pronunciation is called GIF, not GIF. You understand that it stands for Giraffic Interface Format. And the fact that this is still being debated is greatly absurd. And to the peanut butter company who reignited this debate, I'm sorry, kiddo, you're not the only GIF. And to those of you jumping on this hard G bandwagon, don't be so gullible. They're just trying to sell you gallons of peanut butter. That's it. And if you still disagree, call my assistant, Jalinda, and we can settle this argument once and for all. My name is Jerry Judman. Thank you. Goodbye. You know who would have enjoyed that? Chris Jalis. Oh, yes, Chris Jalis. <laughs> he would have loved Christy it. And Christy Jordan. Oh. Yeah, her Jordan son's name is Jordan, so it'd be Jordan Jordan. All right, um, she's still <laughs> got a wine glass in her hand. Go figure at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Christy? That's right, but we changed it up, of course, with it being the theme, the France theme. We decided to go with a little bit of uh, champagne. This is Tatanger from Champagne, and uh, it's touted as one of the highlights tonight. So I'll taste it for you, Sophie. Oh, I'll let you know nice. how it is. That's great. Thanks, Christy. <laughs> Take oh, her keys away. my goodness. Oh, that's <laughs> Don't not Don't worry, fair. I'm not driving home. <laughs> all right, have, have a good it's night, delicious. Christy. That's all the time we have. Have a good weekend? Just say goodbye. 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 goodbye.